0: Hello and welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge. I'm your host, Gordon Smith, and on a special bonus episode of The Lounge, we're bringing you a portion of the riveting conversation that my co-host Jay Shabbat and I had with Skift Editor-in-Chief Sarah Kopit, with our friends and colleagues at the Skift Travel Podcast. We discussed the most problematic of Skift's mega trends for 2024, among those the supply chain shortages faced by the aviation sector and the impact of climate change on the travel business. Enjoy.
1: All right, Jay, Gordon, let's talk about the supply chain. So this is, uh, you know, we called this one uh, the supply chain nightmares that are going to haunt the airlines. So what's going on? Ever since the pandemic, we've been hearing about the uh, supply chain and how it's causing all these problems. But here we are. It's 2024. We think it's it's still happening.
2: Yeah, maybe I could say a few things and then Gordon, feel free to chime in at any moment. But uh yeah, so just just very broadly and generally speaking, airlines coming out of the pandemic have faced this very serious problem getting airplanes, having enough labor, uh, you know, having uh, the ability to fly enough flights because there's an air traffic controller shortage. So all these kind of supply side uh, disruptions and challenges and shortcomings, and some of these have improved for sure. I think airlines will tell you that there's no longer as acute of a pilot shortage, for example, as there was maybe a year, year and a half ago. But then in other respects, some of the problems are getting worse. Now we all know what's going on with this, you know, Boeing MAX plane and uh, how that's, you know, this MAX 9, which is one of the other uh, products that Boeing, very popular airplane. That's been taken out of service temporarily, so that's another disruption to add to all the others. There's a particular aircraft engine type that's going through some very difficult issues and recalls, and uh, that's disrupting a lot of uh, a lot of airlines. So yeah, bottom line, it's it's become a, a very big problem now. As I've said on some other and some other discussions, including a podcast that we just recorded earlier today. Uh, in one respect, all of these supply-side disruptions are actually a positive thing for airlines. Now, that may be a slightly controversial. Say more. Yeah. yeah say more about that. <laughs> right, and and I think in the Megatrends discussion, we we talked about this, but the the whole idea, you know, when you're when there's not enough seats to accommodate demand, well, economics 101: what happens to prices in this case, airfares? You're going to have upward pressure. And that's, in fact, what we've seen over the past year or so in the airline industry. So that's actually helped collectively airlines to earn perhaps higher profits than they would have if not for these spy side disruptions. So, you know, it's not something any airline executive will tell you that they welcome or that they're celebrating, but you can't ignore that fact that it's, I, I think, I think it's, you know, it's, you can't dispute that when you have a supply that's constrained that, that it's gonna have an impact on prices. So
1: right. And and prices have gone up this year or are going up this year?
2: Well it depends on, on the time period that you're talking about. And of course prices, yeah. so prices are actually down year over year, but that also has to do with, you know, fuel costs are lower. So there's, you know, there there's uh there are different reasons why prices move around. But I think it's fair to say that if there was more supply in the market, if these supply constraints that we're talking about didn't exist, then sure yeah. prices would be would be lower in many markets for sure. Gordon, what are
1: you seeing? It, Gordon is uh, coming to us from EMEA. What are you seeing there? Is it is it a similar uh, a similar I guess, as uh, in the United States and other places.
0: Yeah, We hear about the term ecosystem and the supply chain so, so often. And it almost gets used to the point whereby we sort of ignore what that actually means. And what that does mean in practical terms is that so many different companies, industries, sectors rely on other sectors. It sounds obvious, but we forget that. And all it needs is one weak link in the chain and the whole thing starts to really come under serious pressure so what we have seen in the aviation industry recently and the the heads of Airbus and Boeing and, and other big companies have said this is you know we can get 90 percent of our production line in order but if we've got one supplier or one subcontractor that has got issues this thing does not come together mm-hmm. it's not done until it's done and this is creating serious headaches I, I was at the uh, aircraft Interiors Show in Hamburg last year, um, and they were saying, you know, the guys that are designing seats, they're designing interiors for, for aircraft, and you know some of these first-class products, premium products are really intricate pieces of technology, and they are so frustrated, or at least they were when I was speaking to them last year, because they will have 98% of the product ready to go, ready to deliver to the customer, and it will be a microchip, the size of your thumbnail, mm that has not arrived and is not going to arrive and it's just the entire timeline falls apart um, it's incredibly frustrating there's no easy fixes and you know, yeah, i think it was even up correct me if i'm wrong jay i think it was iberia the spanish national airline uh they actually put aircraft uh seats in that weren't quite ready yet with all the ife all the in-flight entertainment system Uh, because it wasn't ready, but they, they just needed to get that plane in the sky and they retrofitted it at a later date. So really, really choppy. No, no airline executive wants that. Um, and just another quick point on supply chain. There are fewer manufacturers than there used to be a decade ago or two decades ago. So mergers and acquisitions, that's natural course of business, but there is less competition out there. So if you are looking around supplier A hasn't got anything, how about supplier B? There's fewer options for you, which is making things very, very challenging
1: which part of the supply chain do you think is the weakest right now where there's the most problems and because we you know we talked about all these different types of issues from you know the faa to the parts and the pilots and the you know it's just across the board there's a shortage of everything that was pretty much the entire thesis of our megatrend. but is there one particular part that is causing airlines kind of the most struggle because it's the most difficult to kind of get the supply chain back in back in on track
2: for sure it's a narrow body aircraft so these sing- single aisle aircraft that are kind of the staple of the skies they're you know the most common type uh that's where you know air traffic controller shortages are an issue if you're flying between new york and florida and perhaps more you know broad than that but but it is somewhat geographic specific uh whereas aircraft supply chain problems are pretty much you know universal throughout the globe there, there's no airline unaffected by it so I mean that would be probably the answer to your question and you know going to back to Gordon's last point about consolidation as we all know there's really just two aircraft manufacturers in the world Boeing and Airbus so and they both have a lot of the same issues in terms of yeah. getting planes on time Boeing you know has some of their problems are a little worse but uh you know there's you can't just if you've got a problem with boeing you can't just pick up the phone and say hey give me you know airbus give me you know let me let me give all my business to you because you know if you want one of those narrow body airplanes i just talked about airbus won't be able to get you one for another five six years so yeah it's uh yeah it's a problem kind of all around
0: it's it's an interesting one jay you know so much attention is on new aircraft deliveries um you know that's the big ticket that's the blockbuster headline that we all like to see but the bread and butter of an average airline's fleet be it your huge airline or something more modest is aircraft that are maybe 10 years old 15 years old and will get you from a to b and you know they're not particularly sexy but they do the job these aircraft still need to be maintained and even more so as they get a little bit older And I was speaking to somebody very senior, at major aircraft lessor just last week, and he has aircraft that are sitting on the ground and they have been for almost 12 months because they can't get the parts to get these aircraft back in the air. They would have customers, airline customers saying, yeah, we'll take that for you. You can get that flying this summer. Great. And they're not going to be able to, to get this plane in the air because of the supply chain issues. So it really does trickle down to all parts of the of the sector and has it got better yes but from a very very low post-pandemic start yeah um, i don't think it's going to be resolved fully uh I, I dare not put a date on it jay maybe you're a little bit more
1: yeah that was actually my next question if you had to guess <laughs> when is the supply chain going to be back operating normally like how many years out are we from that well, july 23rd
2: 2026 there uh, we go <laughs> i i i, I uh, would venture to just broadly say years not months
1: yeah
0: uh jay sure i'll, I'll, I'll take that um you're a, you're a braver man than i am what i would say sarah is that there's always supply chain headaches in every industry in every corner of every business that's just part of doing normal business navigating that that but what we're seeing right now is exceptional and it cannot become yeah. the new normal to borrow a, a pandemic phrase. If it does, then this industry, which is already pretty fragile at the best of times, is is really, yeah. really not gonna do well.
1: All right, so speaking of big hairy problems and fragile ecosystems, let's talk about climate. That is, uh, it's it's one of the themes that kind of runs through every single sector Really, of human life, but in the travel industry, you know where the planet is kind of the product uh, more than most. So we, t- in in just kind of piggybacking on the airlines for a minute, we talk a lot about SAF and you know sustainable airline fuel um, in the travel industry, and kind of the hope that that will um, be a, a kind of a bright spot for the airlines when it comes to dealing with climate change, the climate crisis, where. You know where do you where do you guys see that going in twenty twenty four?
2: Yeah, so with sustainable aviation fuels, that is kind of seen as the uh, you know as a, as an opportunity or or sort of the best uh, option for abating climate emi- you know climate damaging emissions yeah. in the airline sector over the next you know let's call it near term whatever there's next you know few years before any kind of radical new technology or you know whether it be hydrogen or some you know new new plane design or whatever that's that's more long long term so this SAF uh option is uh you know perhaps uh helpful but there are two gigantic problems one is cost and two is quantity so yeah sustainable aviation fuel uh operationally works fine it's uh you know it's you can you don't have to change anything about the aircraft or it's uh, there's nothing radical you have to do operationally to use this thing but it's a lot more expensive than you know the typical jet fuel that you derive yeah. from crude oil and then quantity wise yeah you just there's just not enough of it to go around i mean you know very 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 little relative to the industry's overall needs now we're hoping that changes in the next couple of years there have been a lot of government incentives including here in the us also in europe to try to stimulate more production. And I think a lot more will come online, but it's gonna take, you know, here also, we're talking in years, not months.
1: Right, right.
0: I'm a data guy, Sarah, can I give you some numbers? Absolutely. Let's go for it. Uh, Worldwide, sustainable aviation fuel makes up just 0.1% of all current airlines fuel needs um and should we we should just add that SAF sustainable aviation fuel it's a bit of an umbrella term which is used by the aviation industry to describe any sort of non-conventional non fossil derived aviation fuel so it covers a few different sort of subgroups if you like but um just 0.1% currently so we are starting from a really really low base here in 2024 uh progress is being made but it's just it just feels so microscopic right now it's almost like you don't really know where we can go from here because it's just such a standing star. It feels like it. Karsten Spohr, who is the uh, Group CEO of Lufthansa, the German airline, and he also runs, um, or oversees lots of other European airlines that are part of the, the bigger Lufthansa group, Swiss, Brussels, uh, Austria now. So he's, he's got a lot of clout. He said, he's a bit of a cynic on Saf. He said half of all of Germany's electricity would be needed for Lufthansa to go 100% SAF tomorrow. <laughs> wow. And ba- bearing <laughs> yeah. in mind that Germany is an economic powerhouse, an industrial powerhouse, they're making cars and all sorts of things. So for half of all of that country's energy to be diverted towards uh, just powering Lufthansa's needs, uh, he, he wasn't best pleased, shall we say. Um, some yeah. the numbers for you about where we are now, 2024, and where governments think we could be or should be. Uh, the EU, for its part, targets 2% usage by 2025, rising to 6% usage by 2030, then 20% in 2035, and then uh, they're aiming for 70% percent seven zero 0 by 2050. So that's the sort of timescale that we're looking at.
2: Probably the most at this point that an airline can do to cut their carbon emissions is replace older planes with newer planes that have more efficient engines. There are some interesting things things happening, you know, in the very short haul aviation space, air taxis and things like that, where you can perhaps run them electric, you know, run electric aircraft up that are, you know, economic more or less. But we're apparently, I'm not an engineer, but apparently very, very far from operating, you know, an electric plane between New York and London. That's just, you know, the battery would have to just be so heavy and giant, it's, from what I understand, my dad is an engineer and he tells me that's, uh, you know, we're very, very far from that. So we, a lot of people say that, you know, aviation is a is what I've heard the term, you know, hard to abate sector. It's one of, it's one of the hardest sectors to to really cut emissions. Um, it's, there, there are really no good answers. Now the industry says that, uh, you know, their goal is to go, you know, net zero carbon emissions by 2050. But at this point, frankly, I don't know if, Gordon, you have an opinion other than this, but it sounds a little bit just kind of more like a slogan than anything else at this point.
0: Well, yeah, there were some really great comments from uh, Stephen udvar who's the executive chairman at Air Lease Corporation. He was speaking at the SCIFT Aviation Forum late last year.
2: So another uh, buzz phrase is sustainable aviation fuel and, and yeah. SAF. And we had a SCIFT conference last month. Spoke to David Nealman on stage about this very topic, and he did not hold back. He thinks it's all a, a farce. There isn't enough of it. It's not worth it. It's Where are you to. It's not a farce, but it's a supply uh, limitation. There's not a single SAF producer right now in Latin America. So, and then how do you get the stuff to the airport? How do, you <clears throat> how do you get it so it's economical? Right now, there's such a gap between jet uh, jetty kerosene and and SAF. A lot of governments will subsidize it, so the taxpayer will actually be funding part of that. But how do you ramp that up to levels uh, that are meaningful? Even ten percent is is pretty hard to reach.
0: Udbahasi, a bit of an industry legend, veteran, call him what you will. When he talks, people generally listen. Um, he is not alone. Yeah, we, we heard from the Lufthansa group CEO, Michael Leary from Reiner. He was on record as saying, there frankly isn't enough cooking oil in the world to power even one day of green aviation. Um, and, you know, there's, there's quips and there's sound bites and, you know, these are big personalities. But at the end of the day, this is a problem that the industry needs to address. And as other industries start to clean their act up, more and more focus is going to be on aviation, commercial aviation in particular. And, As much as we all love to fly, going on vacation, visiting friends, family, there's going to become a sort of critical tipping point. And I don't think we're quite there yet in 2024, but it's coming. The industry knows it's coming and there's going to be a lag between the technology not having caught up yet and society demanding more change. It's uh, it's a tricky one. It really is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's exactly what our third megatrend that we're talking about today Really focused on was that, you know, the tipping point. It's going to be a little bit different for each industry, but climate affects everything across the board. And each industry is going to come to come to a place where they have to deal with the change that is already here. It's not it's not the future anymore. It is it is here. You know, we we talk a lot about how you know some of the experience providers in the sector. You know they've had to really change their plans about what they where they take tours and where they take vacationers in the summer, especially like where you are, Gordon, in Europe, because it was just too hot in August. I think we've all J- July and August. We've all seen the you know the pictures of maybe Italian tourists or Spanish tourists who are were just kind of sweltering in the heat especially in a in a region that isn't known for you know having much air conditioning so um you know people have to go other places and what does that do to economies and travel ecosystems um it's a you know we're we're, we're the in 2024 for many of our um colleagues in in the each branch of the travel space like we're kind of there for for climate change and extreme weather and what that's doing so
0: yeah, it was fascinating. I was speaking to a to to an aviation leader fairly recently, and she suggested that it's not too unthinkable that Southern Europe will have a second slump in the what is now considered the peak summer season. So, you yeah, know, you go mm-hmm. to the south of Spain, you go to the south of Italy, like you said, Sarah, it's too hot on some weeks of July, August, and it's it's unpredictable. There's that heat wave, and it will tear up into. 90 degrees, 100 degrees Fahrenheit, and it's not fun. You're meant to be on vacation, especially yeah. if you're roaming the streets of, of an Italian city or a, or a Spanish town, to the point whereby if this starts to become normalized, people will stop going in July and August, and they will say, hey, April's far nicer. And will that yeah. then start to trickle down into travel trends? Will hotels be quiet in July and August? Will airlines not have as many passengers coming into these traditional hotspots um, in in what we consider currently to be the the absolute peak of the summer it's a big travel trend um and one which that particular uh, aviation leader says is very much on her radar
1: yeah i was um last summer i was in mexico in august and where i got into the pool one day and it was i kind of thought i was I'm like, am I in the wrong place? Like, am I in the hot tub? Like, it wasn't cool when you walked in at all. It, it was, <laughs> it was hot. And and I was thinking, are the, I wonder if um, places like Mexico that haven't traditionally had pool like cooling agents, like maybe they do in the Middle East, right? To pour, to put cold water in to keep it cool. Like, if if that's something that you know the hotels or other sorts of recreational um, facilities are going to have to start thinking about, like retrofitting their um, recreational water bodies to make them cool. It was was actually about the same time that we made headlines here in the United States where I think Florida, in um, the state of Florida, on the beaches, the water was over 100 degrees Fahrenheit, which is too hot. Like that is, that's too hot to swim, so.
0: That's that is that's beyond bathtub water, isn't it?
1: (laughs) Exactly, yeah, it is. So we've got a whole bunch of, issues going on with extreme weather and climate change, but we've also got a lot of solutions and really interesting uh, development, progress, research going on in this space. Gordon, why don't you tell us a little bit about what is happening in the airline industry?
0: Yeah, it's easy, Sarah, to to feel really gloomy about the prospects, especially when we've discussed the the anemic numbers with sustainable aviation fuel. But there is a lot happening behind the scenes, and it feels very abstract just now because it's just a PowerPoint presentation or it might be a prototype design in some, some wacky laboratory somewhere. But all we need is for one or maybe two of these currently crazy concepts to actually break through, and we could be on the verge of something really exciting, which, which could help. Um, rest assured even though you don't see it day to day at the airport currently there is a lot going on behind the scenes at a lot of levels from startups right through to the big firms the the progress is being made it just doesn't always feel like it but it it, it is there
1: the scientists are hard at work they are they are
0: on this one and and, there's business opportunities to to be had as well you know we've got a lot of very small companies, some of them are already being um, snapped up or shares being uh, bought, equity investments being uh, acquired from from much larger firms. This is going to take a, a team effort. It's going to take the crazy small companies and the big guys all coming together. It's going to take regulation. It's going to take governance. But um, there will be some, frankly, there'll be money to be made for those that can latch on and can identify those technologies that will. us through to that next stage to where we we need to be for those 2050 targets and beyond.
1: Thank you so much for joining us today, for sharing your views on what's to come in 2024.
0: And thanks for listening to this special episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. I've been Gordon Smith. Take care. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. Check out AirlineWeekly.com for a new issue every Monday and updates on the latest airline news throughout the week.